0: Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right-of-center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter. Please bookmark AfricanAmericanConservatives.com or ACONS, A-A-C-O-N-S, stack.com There you will find the links to this podcast, all of our social media profiles, as well as our commentary. Without further ado, I want to introduce our guest today. Eric July is a YouTuber with over Half million followers. I want to get his secret for that? I think it's he's pretty nice guy. I think that's you know engaging content, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's the lead voice for the metal rap band Backwards and a contributor to The Blaze. He is also the founder of RipaVerse Publishing, which, with the success of its latest book Alpha Core, and you remember Chuck Dixon was here just a few weeks ago to tell us about that, now has an amazing three consecutive million dollar campaigns so without further ado we'd like to bring in eric july eric welcome back to the show
1: hey 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 how you doing i appreciate you uh um, oh, having me back man. it's always fun
0: this is such a historic high for you we are so thrilled for you
1: <laughs> i appreciate you it's been look life is good i i really can't i can't complain man um All is all is great. Great company. Great employees. Great fans. And all is all is great, man. Again, I I seriously cannot complain.
0: And you know what? I'm going to give you a lot of credit because here's the thing. I am. Hitting a big birthday next year. Let's just put it that way. It's 60 Uh, and I've worked for a lot of bosses Uh, and. You seem like a great boss. The whole vibe of your company, uh, the way that you put other people first. We're going to get to some of that in this interview, but you got to give yourself some credit because companies take the tone of the leader. And so you have done some amazing, amazing stuff. So celebrate yourself.
1: Oh, man, look, um, I'm I'm all I'm a solution oriented, you know, man. And. Whenever I got in the position that I got in, I I wanted to make sure that I I took it very seriously. You know, um, it's not just content problems. I believe there's economic problems as well that uh, sort of plague the world, if you will. And I did everything that I could with when faced with this opportunity to try to build something that, you know, it's not just for myself. It's for everybody involved that they, they, they want to be involved in. Uh, And the fact that, you know, we kind of facilitated this this great work environment here that people want to be here and they're actually having fun. um, uh, That means we get the best out of them, you know, and uh, that's what it's about. You know, uh, the fact that people, in addition to me, love being here is, um, again, I I just can't stress enough how important it was for for me. Uh, It was never a get rich quick scheme. This never was anything that I just um, I just wanted to make a bunch of money. No, I wanted to make it, um, but I wanted to do it tastefully. I wanted to do it in a way that I could that's something that could be I could be proud of. And I knew that that the foundation had to get laid if something like that was going to happen. It it, it had to start from the jump. So that was sort of ethics that we built into our company. And uh, it shows Uh, uh, the big reason why we are successful is just because we have some some awesome people that are here that want to be here. Um, And that's what it's all about.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that because I just did a podcast recently on legacy. I think legacy is so important, and particularly in the Black community, when we talk about generational wealth and those types of things. And so just hats off to you. That is just such an amazing, amazing legacy that you are setting up for generations to come.
1: I appreciate you so much. Thank you.
0: So I want to get to our breaking news first. Just minutes ago, we learned that the uh, lawsuit that you've been involved with, with Good Ministries, over the word ISOM, has been settled. It was supposed to bankrupt you, the Ripperverse, all of that. Uh, What can you tell us about this settlement? Well,
1: what I can uh, say is that, look, we came together and um, we realized very early on that You know, it was best that this whole thing got handled outside of the courts. And to their credit, over at Good Shepherd, as well as our team, we we did what we needed to do. Uh, It was, I mean, retrospect, simple, right? Um, But it's just one of those things that shows that something like this. I get it's a very divisive world, and excuse me, some of this stuff played out in public. But it's it's um, we were able to come together. Um, and, and, um, I do, I do believe there's going to be great things to come for both, both entities. Um, but the whole thing was, you know, that distinction was, was there between their usage of, of ISOM, our usage of ISOM. We are separate. Um, we are, um, you know, in our own respective lanes and that's what we're going to continue to do. So they own what they own. We own what we own pertaining to our character known as ISOM. Uh, and uh, well, we're just going to keep doing it and keep rocking and rolling. So I know that wasn't the desired outcome that some people wanted, but, yes, it was resolved that amic- amicably nobody uh, is, it, is admitting any sort of of wrongdoing, uh, and we're just going to keep rocking. We're going to keep rocking. ISOM 3 is uh, next for us, and, uh, yeah, we're going to keep rocking and rolling. But on a serious note, I believe this is a lesson. Cool heads need to prevail, and uh, they did and I know I get it the age of social media. There's all this connectivity. Uh, and um, I think people want to they, they want things to be a, a sort of crap show, if you will. But that's not what they got here. They got uh, uh, w- between a good shepherd and us coming together, uh, making sure that, you know, it, there was a, a mutual understanding and uh, we wish nothing but the best for uh, both p- for the parties that are involved. So they wish us the best. We wish them the best. And all is good. All is great right now.
0: You know, that's such a great way and a, a great philosophy to have, because, you know, we do live in a kind of litigious society and people seem to be activated by controversy, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, you know, and so it's good that, you know, you're a good guy. You, you handled this right. You had a, co- a cool head. You were thinking about your company. You were thinking about your people. You know, and again, goes to that great leadership.
1: Look, it's, and and to that point, it it does speak to everybody that's here that, you know, knows what it is that they're doing. Um, You know, between our legal team, uh, everybody that's involved, it's just, um, it it is important to have people that know what it is that they're doing. And a a, a big thing that, especially in, in, in a position like as a CEO like myself, <clears throat> you have to put people in the best positions to be great and succeed and you have to trust them. Right. I'm not a micromanager. I'm not as my way or the highway kind of guy. I am a guy that says, if you are working for this company and I've brought you on and I've hired you, we've gone through all of that process in any capacity, employee contractor, whatever it is. Why on earth would I bring someone on? That I don't trust to do their jobs, right? You yeah. gotta allow these people to flourish. And again, this is an example of this. It's like, hey, we have our legal uh, legal counsel that's been a part of our team from the get go, um, and we let them do their jobs. You know, we let them we let them do what it is that they that they need to do. Um, I only chime in when I'm asked to, and I, I do believe that that's that philosophy in itself is why this company uh, is off to the roaring start that it is it's because it's not just, yeah, you want to get people that are right for the jobs, but you also want to make sure that you're setting them up to be great and you're setting them up to succeed, which means allowing them to do their jobs. Uh, again, why do I have you here if I can't trust you? Or I feel like I it has to be my way or the highway or I have to micromanage. Um, I get it that some people's philosophy where people that are in these positions, especially of leadership, they're just there as like in name only. It's more of um uh, just, just there as a face, um, but they're not really able to operate, um, and, and do their own thing. And that's just not how this company works. We are collaborative, but in the same respects, those people that are in those positions, I trust them to do their jobs. And this latest, uh, thing is just another example of it, but the company itself just really shows how this, how this is going.
0: Eric, please give a masterclass. <laughs> I'm begging you because there are so many people that really need to understand this philosophy of leadership and governance because there are just so many bad bosses out there, you know, that do micromanage, that don't uh, trust their employees. And it sounds like the Ripperverse is such a great place to work.
1: It For us, I mean, I, I believe that, yeah, that's the case. It's a. <clears throat> And, and I guess it shows people on the outside looking in are seeing that. Uh, you know, we get people that you know want to work for us. Um, like they actually will say, "Hey, man, I love what it is that you're doing. I see what it is that you're doing, and I want you to. Uh, I, I, I I want you to, to 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 be great, and I want to be a part of it. And again, that's just us doing everything that we needed to do to put people in the best position to succeed. And that feels good. That's fulfilling. The fact that I can offer people good jobs, good paying jobs that they actually want to work, right? It is a job at the end of the day, but it still can give you some sort of fulfillment. That's fulfilling to me, to be able to put people in a position to succeed and be great and grow as individuals in the workplace. Ah, man, it it feels so great. And uh, again, that's just a theme and sort of ethics that that we want to make sure that we're keeping up with.
0: That is so awesome. Now I want to turn to uh, AlphaCore. We've got a trailer that we're going to play uh, and I want to get into this because I mean almost a million dollars in the first week. I, I heard it was nine hundred thousand something. It probably hit a million in a week. Uh, so let's look at the the trailer for AlphaCore.
2: Spark can be an unpredictable city, but fluency doesn't mitigate its problems. In some ways, it amplifies them. This is why we're deployed. We've seen better days. Then why are we just now debriefing? This mission is not complete. I only know ever. Our lack of data collection is a problem. Valdez, I'm aware of your investigative talents. Braxwell spoke highly of you, and that's why you're on this team. (laughs) Local law enforcement handles itself very well. (laughs) But there are those with abilities. (laughs) Some believe themselves to be good. Others don't even attempt to act as if they are. Either way, we're involved. Not everyone will agree with our status. If that can be said for anything. May I remind you both, we're Alpha Core and failure is not what we do.
0: That is so cool. I feel like comics are back. You know, I mean, there haven't been, and we've talked about this, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more today. There haven't been good stories. You know, there hasn't been good writing. There hasn't been good animation. It's all wokey-woke. Um, and so I feel like we finally have something where we can go, yes, you know, the whole saturday morning thing and you know kids growing up just couldn't wait for the next issue to come out i feel like you've restored that vibe
1: look the enthusiasm thing that was a problem and i mean you can make the argument it's in entertainment in general but especially in comics and i knew that was something that we had to emphasize in our approach to our releases, and just our company in general. So we found out creative ways, how we do that. And I mean, the easiest way to start is that you make something of quality. You make something that people want. You make something that people actually um, can look forward to. And you start with entertaining them. And that's what it is that we did. And we've invested a lot of money, so much money into that aspect of it that that animation ain't cheap anybody that's worked in it understands that (laughs) uh it costs money but it was worth it it was 100 percent worth it to do it it got people stoked uh, on not just the book but also our capabilities and that is that we can do this we're we are independent we're not a mega corporation but we can produce something that is very competitive in our market um and that's what we did so uh the the fact that we see the enthusiasm I love I love it so much. The fandoms is interacting with each other, talking about theories, just looking, generally looking forward to what the Riververse has to offer. Um, uh, that is so important to this, uh, uh, to the industry itself. Um, and it's obviously going to be a mainstay uh, concept with our with our company. Uh, and we don't have to really use cheap kind of gimmicks to do that. It's just, hey, give people something it is that they want Market it in a um a creative way, uh, whatever your capabilities are and, uh, just deliver, deliver on the product that you said it was that you were going to deliver on. And that's what we did. That's exactly what we did.
0: And you know, what's been beautiful about it is, you know, we follow you on Twitter. We see all of that, just how transparent you have been with your company. You know, we sold this, this happened, here's our warehouse. Look, we're, we're, you know distributing the books the books are going out in the mail today you know all of this kind of stuff you have been transparent every single step of the way that's why i'm saying this masterclass idea i'm just saying there are so many people that do not understand the concept of a transparent organization and that has inspired trust you know so it's it's been amazing to watch
1: that is the transparency bit um uh is so important i mean look definitely in recent years people have been burned with their purchases um and i get it i, I totally understand that and one way uh to to sort of av- avoid that issue is again you have to deliver on the product that's what we do we make sure that we don't commit to things that we can't we can't deliver on but the other part is just being transparent even when there's hiccups you just be transparent. You just let people know this is the situation. This is what's going on. Uh, and uh, just just be honest as you realistically can. You don't have to let everybody in on exactly what's happening or with every corner of your 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 business. But just being honest and, and, and transparent with your with your audience, it goes a long way. People value that so much. And again, some of it has to do with the, actually a lot of it has to do with the climate. Right. People have been getting given money to people that despise them, then turn the money around and do something uh, in spite of them. And uh, they just want to know who they're giving their money to, what they're investing in as customers. And uh, I, I totally understand that. I, I get that. And that's why we want to make sure that we're as transparent as realistically possible. Um, uh, and I think that it aids us, it aids us in the support it is that we, we get, cause people are buying into it because they know what they're getting themselves into.
0: Now, as we've mentioned, the latest release from the Ripperverse is Alpha Core. It's been a huge success with over 20,000 copies sold. You've said that the success of Alpha Core was critical to the Ripperverse. Mm-hmm. Why so?
1: Reason being <clears throat> is because it's the first non-ISOM property and people need to understand that you can't look at campaigns like they're all going to be replicated. It's a lot that goes into it uh, with a release and a campaign or not book title, whatever you want to call it. It's different. A number one is different from a number two. ISOM is different from AlphaCore. So we know Okay, with the release of I- Isom 2, we understand that Isom's a mainstay. He is a character that people love. He's a character that people are going to want to keep keep up with. When we prove that with the success, maybe you can argue the first one, if you wanted to, was a leap of faith. Can't really say that with Isom 2. However, Alpha Core is a different animal. It's not wrote by me. It's uh, based on characters that are of a different speed. Um. Different, Like they're not as grounded per se as a, as a ISOM, uh, at least not in like the overall theme of the book. This was a police procedural, different style uh, uh, than what ISOM was. So it's the first non-ISOM. It's not called the ISOM verse. Uh, it's the first non-ISOM property. So it's so important. And again, you have a guy like a Chug Dixon and Joe Bennett that are a part of that. It Of course, it, it takes it to the next level. They are very much uh, they contribute to the success. they uh, and, and they were largely the face, like Chuck especially of of this whole deal. So the entire even even promotional aspect of it from our perspective was different. And it showed that there is a world that exists or a, a, a property that can just be very, very successful, that's outside of um, of, of Iommp. These are unknowns. Not everybody just because they buy some does not mean that they're going to all buy Um, And not everybody that buys Alphacore is going to buy ISOM or Yaira for that matter. And uh, you have to understand that. And that's why it was so important, because it told us, OK, there is there's interest in the universe itself. And there's interest in this other property that is not uh, ISOM. There's a lot banking on the success of this uh, to really let us know where we are, what our trajectory is as a company. Um, and I'm just glad that people were into it. The reviews are coming in, and people absolutely love it.
0: That's been amazing to watch. Now, um, the the interesting thing about this is, although there have been many superheroes who work well with the police, very few have actually been police officers themselves. Only Barry Allen and Judge Dredd come to mind immediately. Uh, what inspired you to create a team of super beings who are also members of the Florest Park police Force
1: it hadn't been done right you had like a savage dragon or something like that but that wasn't what we, what it is that we're doing and you've had characters that had worked with the police um but it's like you know Batman working with Gordon or like to your point uh, alias working um but they're not the superhero version of them isn't really part of the uh, of the force and it's very it's it well maybe it has been done but it's not it hasn't been done often it's a it's um it's something unique and so i thought like okay instead of having these just simple mass vigilantes what if i had a team of people that were specifically working with the the uh local police force as in like not even just working with like a teaming up with but they are members of the police department that creates for a unique scenario because how does that dynamic between the police department when you have a wing that of superpowered beings that are specifically uh, tasked with dealing with uh, other superpowered threats and how does a city as affluent as a Florist Park looks like how does that look like what does it look like when you have a, a, a team like that? How does that impact the criminals and the other heroes who don't work with the police? This is all stuff that was fun to entertain. And uh, that's what, what, what it was with the, re, with this release. It was like, um, or oh, when I conceptualize AlphaCore, I'm like, what hasn't been done that much? And, and what can really create a cool dynamic with the, with this living city of a uh, florist park and credit to Chuck Dixon, man. He, he told a story uh-huh. and I tell people this all the time. Look, I created the characters, but he told a story that I couldn't tell. Only Chuck Dixon could tell that story, right? And it's believable. They are true to those characters that are part of the uh, part of Alpha Corps. That, that that just is incredible. It's amazing. So, it, it it came out well. Obviously, we had a great team that worked on it. Um, but it, I just love the dynamic that that it kind of creates with with the existence of a team like Alpha Corps.
0: Well, and you know, what's interesting about that is we're living in a society where, you know, there's so much talk about defunding the police, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Crime in my former home city of San Francisco uh, is off the charts. Um, There's been a lot of, uh, you know, talk about the whole police with unarmed black men, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so it's cool to kind of see presenting a story that kids are going to consume <laughs> and where we talk about what good police do. And, you know, cause there's good people and there's bad people. It does. It's not just this police thing, you know, there are good cashiers and there's good bank tellers and there's bad doctors and there's bad, you know what I mean? So to have this story centered around the police and tell positive stories, I think is beyond just good storytelling and beyond, you know, all of the things that you have realized with the Ripperverse and AlphaCore. It's also, as I said, you know, you're infusing life back into a dying industry, as well as dealing with some societal issues that no one is willing to take on, apparently.
1: Yeah, it's... uh... (laughs) It, it it creates again a, a unique dynamic. And it's like I know Chuck words it like these heroes are more, it's not as grim, it's like a blue sky kind of uh sort of approach that we have right now with our characters with the uh, uh with Ripperverse. And yeah, I mean it, it it's like you get to entertain these other various concepts, right? That are not entertained a lot and it's fun but it's also like a thought experiment right it's like okay i want to tell this story based on these characters that act like this and and they impact the world this way and it's not just like a free-for-all we, we don't have the luxury of doing that uh, which makes for better stories because we, we're actually putting thought into it and we have to be creative uh with it uh the theme like what how uplifting is this going to be and how and how do those characters um impact the, the, the like individual story in their own unique ways whether it be with alpha core themselves or it's the the villains that that uh chuck dixon created um and it's it, again it just makes for an overall experience for for the reader that um it was just missing in comics you know just it just it's just missing in comics you don't get a lot of it because I think so many people lead with a, a lot of other stuff, right? Um, maybe it's to impress the peers. Maybe it's to impress their social or political allies. Uh, but that's just not what it is that we try to do here. We believe that there are these universal truths and we largely leave a lot of that stuff at the door with um, everybody that works for the Riververse. The whole point is to entertain and to tell stories that are going to last um, forever that people will always uh, come back to uh, or if they're late to the party. Um, they can always get in on and get some thorough enjoyment out of it. Um, and look, in order for something like that to work, it has to be baked into the company and its ethics. And everybody that works for writes for it does anything creatively has to understand that. And again, that 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 just speaks to everybody uh, that works here.
0: Now, as we discussed, uh, when Chuck was on the show, he's been on a couple of times now, I think the. Um, he, who wrote AlphaCore, uh, you're working with Chuck, the Suska sisters, and Mike Barron, who's also been on the show. Um, creators have traditionally been understandably a little reluctant to hand over uh, their creations to others. What gave you the inspiration to do that? And was it difficult for you to allow other writers to write your characters?
1: that's always going to be like something that you have to kind of get over as a creative, if you're trying to build this expansive universe. Um, but that's a part of like the kind of hiring process, if you will. And that, that needs to be considered, right? I always knew that with creating these characters at some point, if it blew up somebody else that wasn't Eric July was going to write these characters in some capacity. And for us, it was like, I need to bring people on that not just know what it is that they're doing, but they can elevate, right? Like I said, Chuck told, tells a story without, of course, I can't tell. And when you're dealing with actual professionals that care about what it is that they're doing, and they also have stake in it, right? It's easier for me to be like, look, yes, this is a character that I created, but here you go, right? Uh, Go do your thing and go be great. You know, I've had meetings. We have these creative meetings, and even before, I mean, that same can be said for all of the three upcoming books that you guys know about. So, whether it be with Chuck's books, uh, uh, Saskas, or Mike Barron, we sit down and we sat down, each, each, all three of those. And it wasn't even anything that I actually initiated, it was more of they wanted to understand it. So, we sit down. We have a meeting and he's asking Chuck, who who are these characters? What they do this? What What is this? What is the motivation associated with it? And granted, we did have a, I had a you know universe Bible. I have one and I have these entries. So they had a lot of that information, but even despite having that information, they wanted to learn more about it. Saskas, they'll text me three in the morning <laughs> being creative. Hey, uh, would, would Yaira do this right would this be uh, something that because they want to act? it's not they're not trying to write themselves into the character they're not trying to write hey this is what I would do if I was that character it's this is th- there was an idea here right and yes we have to grow it care grow the character and flesh it out however there is a a certain person that this character is who are they? And they want to understand that because they are, again, the ultimate professionals. So that goes with who you bring on. Like um, uh, it's very it's easy, I guess, in some case for me to say, hey, go write Yaira because I'm. they know what they're doing. They know what it is they're doing They actually care. And I think that's what that, again, is what's been missing in the industry.
0: That's kind of amazing because you know the last time you were on, we talked about that. You know, just a writer saying, "Well, I've got this political philosophy, and I need to make Batman gay, and I need to make you know uh, Thor a lesbian woman, and you know, just all this kind of stuff." You know, put this, you know, <laughs> my personality, my ideas uh-huh. into it, rather than let the idea of who the character is develop and grow and evolve.
1: Yeah, it's um, absolutely. And they're going to put their flavor on it, like like what Chuck did with uh, with Alpha Core, And it's cool to see it because, you know, we see these guys, they'll tell these stories, um, even if let's say Yaira. Right. Uh, and when people read it, they're going to love the story. And it's like, again, I couldn't tell it, but it's so believable. It's like that's what Yaira would do in that situation. That's the character it is that, that she is. So they're also adding these elements cuz you know and that can be said for the characters they created as well. With our universe bible entries, we have these understandings of who these characters are even if they aren't aren't like uh, all that information isn't dumped in the first book or their first appearance, right? So we're we're, we're building up to it and we're fleshing in the characters uh out, but we know who they are, right? It's not like a free free for all like hey yeah this character we're just adding to it and yes there's going to be those elements especially as they exist for years to come but largely the crux and largely who they are we we know who they are um and we understand the characters i think that that makes it easy for them to write scenarios that the characters are being placed in because they truly understand who they are
0: that's right. Now, one of the characters who may be a future star in the Ripperverse, judging by the buzz that she's generating, as we saw in the trailer, is Alpha Corps member Ingrid Valdez. What can you tell us about her special abilities and if there are any plans for her to get a solo book, perhaps?
1: Oh, yes, yeah, she is a, a great like a character that people love. Right. We've seen um, uh, there is a demand for her. you've seen kind of her, her use of her. Her um, you know, she's a a wirecaster, as we call her, in our in our world. And people will learn more about that in in the given future. But I think who the character is is um is so important. You know, she's the third member, she's the last member, if you will, latest member of Alpha Corps, right? And she has this sort of unique, unique skill set, and people that read Alpha Corps will understand that in terms of how she approaches uh investigative work. Uh, you even see some of that in with Brian acknowledging that in that. Uh, so it's not a spoiler because you see that in the in, in animation. Right. And that's a unique thing. Um, it is that she has that she contributes to the team. She's not just a, a random, you know, uh, character. She has her own unique, own unique skill set that is necessary. Right. To, to the team and what it is that they're trying to do and what it is that they're uh, attempting to accomplish. I can't quite say if we're going to give her own solo book, but I will say that I hear the, I hear everybody loud and clear. Uh, They love that character. And look, this is very much a fan driven company. We go where the demand is. That's what it is that we do. That's how Gooding got his book, right? I didn't even mention Gooding. Gooding. uh, Well, let's say this with the release of ISOM 2, you only saw his name on the cover main cover. Right. Yeah. the little throwback cover that we did. Um, but you didn't see him. There was no poster on Gooding. There was nothing there. However, after people read the book, it was such a demand there. And we had they were really intrigued by this character. We immediately got to work, put uh, Mike Barron on it. Right. So that's our approach. So maybe there is going to be more of her. I can promise you this. There will be more Alpha Corps. A hundred percent there's going to be more Alpha Corps.
0: That's awesome. Now, a character who will soon have a solo book, and we talked about this with you the first time we had you on, we said that people love Yaira, and we felt like, you know, she was going to have a bit of a, a, a bigger role in things. When do you expect uh, this uh, campaign with Yaira, this book to be released? And what do we, uh, what will we learn about her when the book is released?
1: We are moving quick. Um, we're going through our edits. Uh, we we hope to send this thing in the in the print going in the next month. And um I, I it's hard to say when because anything can happen. But we know that January 20th is the 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 campaign close. Uh and we want Yara to start soon after that. So you know you're going into February and we're attempting. We're gonna do everything we can. I'm gonna be honest with you to try to get it out February. I, I can't make any promises. But I will say that 2024 will obviously be our most productive year. Right now, if you, I mean, we got like six, seven, or eight like books right now in the works uh, that have already had scripts and we're starting artwork on. So uh, if you include like ISOM 3 and everything associated with that. So <clears throat> yeah, it's the next book. We all know that. And then Goody's going to be right after that. So I would say February-ish uh, is, is where we're pushing. I say we're we put. I can't commit to it. But I'm, that's where we're pushing. But we're going to be move, moving quick like we did with Alpha Core. So you'll see a fulfillment time that'll be uh, uh quick. Um, and there's a lot of cool items that are going to be released with that. You have like the 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 next deck of cards that are going to be released. We've got all kinds of cool things that are going to be dropping. So it's awesome.
0: That's cool. And of course, that'll be your fourth million dollar campaign <laughs> consecutively, potentially. Now, um, what have has has been the response to rumors that the art in ISOM comes from the hand of artist Cliff Richards uh, rather than not from his hand, but from a program like Turbo Squid?
1: Yeah, they uh, it's a lot of um, it's been interesting to see people float around some just really untrue stuff. And I've I've. I've, uh, I get it, right? We are arguably the most hated people in comics and the most scrutinized people uh, in comics, and people are just actively making stuff. I mean, we could go back to the lawsuit for that, right? Like uh, it's just people just saying things that it seems as if they're purposely trying to float things out there that are not true um obviously just to try to damage the reputation of of the company but i the thing that i don't like it is that you know it's a disrespect to our um our artists like i'm not gonna sit up here and say like cliff hasn't i bought something and as like a reference point but every artist does that uh to be to be fair uh and he's a talented artist he knows what it is that that we're doing and he's also growing you know i I mean with the addition of of like a canine white To clean stuff up that helps everybody that's involved it helps cliff it helps deborah uh it helps um everybody that's here so we're going to continue to improve uh as as creatives but I, i just don't like the idea that cliff has been a professional for a very long time same could be said for joe but it wasn't until they started working with us that there was all of a sudden these conspiracies and issues yeah Uh, It's weird because you didn't hear about any of that then. But when they started working for us, look, it is what it is. Uh, But shout out to Cliff. I love him to death. His work on Isom 3. I mean, he's improving book to book, man. I can't wait for people to see what some of the cool pages it is that he drew up for Isom 3.
0: Now you recently announced that you're no longer going to watch any superhero films. Why did you make that decision? And uh, when you're, because your critique, I mean, you're a leading voice. I mean, you've got a podcast, you talk about this kind of stuff for hours on end. Um, Your critique of of projects like the upcoming Aquaman 2 would have made for such interesting content.
1: (sighs) For me, was it Black Was Black Widow or was it Justice League? I can't remember which one was the last one. It was one of them. But I checked out. I said, I'm done. Uh, look, does the Ripperverse play a role in that? Yes. It's, life's different now. Um, I, was, I used to just create in a way that was covering everybody else's stuff. And now I have my own multi-million dollar business to run. And it literally takes up most of my time. Right? I don't watch TV at all, really, uh, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I'm watching other streamers and I have them on in the background while I'm working. Uh, So that, that's kind of my, my approach now, but yeah, when I checked out, I think that was very telling of the end. Not to say that like the industry marches to my beat. No, but I was very much a super fan. You'd be hard pressed to find other people that spend as much money as I did on Marvel and DC as an example. Um, and I checked out because of the content problem. Uh, yeah. And, it's just there's nothing that I, I really see that they can do, definitely with the start of the Ripperverse that will reel me back in. Um, I, I'd much rather spend my energy creating um and you know, we're competitors, let's be honest. Like right now, this is kind of how it's working. We are I have my own aspirations for Ripperverse Studios. Um, and like people saw the animation. So that's where a lot of my my brain power is going. Look, there's a lot of creatives out there, there's a lot of people that are you know, doing reviews and look, they can they can have that. Uh let them do it. For us, saw Riververse and I just don't see myself really uh going back there and like watching all this stuff. I'm just not interested.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, DK and I have a thread with some other friends. We talk about a lot of comic stuff uh, because we're all big fans. And there's just nothing out there that seems interesting at all. I mean, it really is kind of all Ripperverse all the time for us because there's really nothing interesting out there. There there is a whole market uh, and they have disseminate. I mean, they've just decimated the whole thing, just with all this wokeism and um, you know, uh fake I call it fake diversity okay. because I mean there there are uh, cases of real diversity but dk and i were talking about you know all these you know adaption of uh, adaptions of like jane austen where you're just throwing in somebody who's black just for the sake of it and it's kind of like wait during the regency era uh we sure weren't coming in the front door in ball gowns Mm. so you know i mean just this kind of just for, for the sake of diversity and you really screw up the storytelling because I love when you talked about the whole believability aspect, isn't that the whole idea of escapism is to go into a world where you really believe these characters would act in a certain way. And when you suspend that for the sake of a political ideology or anything other any other ideology, you really are hosing your consumer.
1: Uh, uh, You put it so perfectly. It's like, People are into this stuff for a specific reason, right? And often it is, um, you know, escapism and they want a world to get lost in and they want a world to uh, that is believable. And a lot of that stuff is, it doesn't mean that people have to suspend everything that they know about the real world. It's more so that I'm not reading Batman to watch CNN. If I wanted to watch CNN, (laughs) I go watch CNN. Right. Um, that's not the point there. And I'm just using that as a kind of a, a analogy, but it, it's more of people are into this stuff. want some, some sense of enjoyment and they want to feel good about it. So when I pick up a book and I read it and it's just a a copy and paste of like whatever political view that the person has that given moment, that's the talking point. It's just boring. Right, and I I don't want to be into that stuff. And so when you get the changes, and I think that's what 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 the core issue is, is that you you start to see fundamental changes within the industry, right? You start to see characters act out of character, and you don't want to talk about holes in your your audience. I mean, if I can offer any anybody any advice that has the aspirations like uh, Ripperverse does and creating your own universes and own characters, that's one of the dumbest things to do but one of the easiest things to do to maintain that customer base is to not only make these characters believable in the world that they in but maintaining that sort of consistency no matter where where they are that they show up this is why we have our code of ethics and we talk about that sort of stuff i say look if you buy a book you own a piece of history with the reverse it's not something that's going to get retconned out of existence it's not one of those things the characters are who they are so it's a realistic expectation when a person watches an animation or watches a live action or watches something that uh, let's say another adaptation of something that happened in a book to want to see that you know look it's a different world like in a sense that you know live action isn't like animation animation isn't a comic book But in the same respects, they want that character to be believable and they want that character to be who it is that they expect the character to be. And to see this constant thing that's being done within uh, the mainstream is that they'll have a character show up and it's just a character and name only. And that to me is a slap in the face of everybody that has bought this material and have been fans of this. And that's one of the easiest ways to turn them off.
0: That's absolutely right. Now, I want to turn to the elephant in the room. I got to ask you about it because I don't completely understand it. You are one of the nicest. I mean, just nicest guys, period. And we've had Ethan on. Ethan seems like a pretty nice guy. He was when he was on the show. So this feud thing, I don't completely understand. And I guess maybe it's the mom in me that wants to sit you both down and, you know, put you in one of those t-shirts and, you know, until you're friends again. What's the animus behind this? And is there any hope that the two of you will be able to kind of put those differences aside?
1: Well, I want to be clear about that. Like this was something that he initiated. Um, This wasn't a me thing. Um, And look, everybody has their theories as to why. And I'm not going to, you know, sit up here and like uh, uh, go there uh, as to what the approach was or why that person, uh, why he did what it was that he did. Um, But that was all on him, you know, especially with the whole. And and I do think and I'm just going to be completely honest, at least for me, I'll never trust the guy again um and don't really want to have much to do with them mainly because of the whole the dm thing right and yeah. it's like i thought that was the corniest stuff ever and especially lying about it um and, and essentially saying that it was a threat especially after we discussed it and just for context purposes you know he he released a a a you know a, a something that i sent to him uh and i told him like i didn't i didn't appreciate the whole um playing uh, credence to someone um or it wasn't even someone it was a specific talking point um uh, with this me versus this other guy type of thing and we talked about it and because i said i don't do that to you you know um and we talked about it after that and all was great and then, for whatever reason two months later he decides to release that um unprovoked there's nothing happened that that happened in between that time and then again say that it was threatening so it's like you know, it's two-faced. It's like, well, we talked about it and I was direct with you and everything was good. And then all of a sudden that, you know, it, it, it wasn't. So, you know, I'm not, and I get it, you know, guys been taking shots at me, said all these things. Um, and, and this is why, you know, I'm not going there with them, but I also, and to your point, you won't ever see me beef with them. Um, I, I, to, to, to your point, I value kind of, yes, there's a lot of crossover. Um, there's a lot of, um, like audience that we share and i don't think that it's a it's conducive to my end game uh, as an alternative kind of independent creative to try to be having a feud with someone like that so i've had every opportunity to go scorch earth and i'm not because um that's not my thing um uh so you know it is unfortunate i get it definitely people that know us both they're like hey you know they don't like to see that but i'm gonna be completely honest that's on him You know, that was something that he initiated. I had nothing to do with that. And I I still haven't, you know, gone there with him because I won't. Uh, But just one of those things that and I guess it happens for for, for whatever reason. But um, the good news is out of that is I will not be engaging in any beef with that man or really anybody that that kind of share audiences with. I'm just not going to do that.
0: Now, there was recently a viral video clip of a comic shop owner who was complaining that comic sales were suffering from writers who prefer to write about themselves rather than the uh, superheroes in the comics they were hired to write. And that's been a talking point that you and I have had in the three times that you've been here. This was nothing new. In fact, we talked about this in our interview with Chuck Dixon. also. Uh, why did this clip go so viral? And why did it receive so much negative attention from the writers at Marvel and DC?
1: Well, it it took off because this was something that people had been saying for a very long time. And it was, this was at the ground level. This was a person that's been, you know, a a retailer for, I believe almost 30 years. So he's the one that has to sell the books. Um, And he was just saying a basic kind of statement in that, you know, Hey, People don't want to read this stuff. They don't want to read you trying to be the character. They want to read Steve. They want to read Captain America beat and they want to see him be Captain America. And of course, the whether it be the folks that are part of the mainstream or the folks that are just in denial of the state of the industry, they took exception because, again, it's something that they feel like their ideological enemies had been saying for a long time. And they don't want to pay any sort of credence to those ideas being true because they don't want to face the fact that maybe they were wrong. And so they jump down his throat um because of it. And they are going to do it to anybody, anybody that just speaks uh, honesty with about the industry and, and doesn't, you know, just says that, look, there are issues that plague it um, and content problems. You That's what you're going to get. You're going to get your, get, your, get a bunch of rowdy people that, that take exception to you. And thankfully a guy like Mark Miller had his back, who is uh, one of the few guys in comics that can call his own shots. I uh, made a, millions of millions and millions of dollars, uh, doing his own stuff with his own property. And he had his back. He interviewed him, did everything. And I think that's what's necessary. Look, if this industry is to change, if this industry is to get better, uh, you have to face the reality and you have to acknowledge it. It doesn't matter what side of the political aisle that the, the, your your enemies came, uh, uh, you know, are. And, and and the fact that they said it, it doesn't mean that it's not a, it doesn't mean that it's uh, wrong because it's correct. Um, and a lot of people just would much rather, as uh, another creative just flat out said, he b- before he would align with, well, he calls him the alt-right, but he's just referring to anybody to the right of Bernie Sanders, uh, <laughs> uh, has a position, he, he'd rather the bad boy burn to the ground. And that's a person that doesn't care about the industry, whereas I have to believe that a lot of the folks that speak out against what's happening with the industry, they love it and they want to see it do better.
0: I'm so glad you said that because that was my next question to ask you about that whole thing. So yeah, that that's just kind of crazy. So Eric July, tell us where can our audience find you and what is next for you?
1: Ripoverse.com, the Ripoverse on some form, social media or Ripperverse, just go there and you can keep up with everything it is that we're doing. We're always growing, always trying to get better. We got Alpha Core right now. That's uh, it doesn't end. The pre order window doesn't end until. Uh, the 20th of January uh, going to next year. So you're still going to be able to get those uh, all the, even the limited items. Just go ahead and grab those right now over 20,000 books. Sold. uh just a crazy success. And I'm so thankful for this fandom, the customers, everybody, y- you guys are awesome, but we got a lot planned. We got a lot cooking with Riververse studios. We got all these books that are in the work. 2024 is going to be a massive year for us. And I- I'm excited, but, On a serious note this can only be done with uh the supporters uh the customers the fans yes we have to give you something that you want in the first place but uh you guys are why we do what it is that we do so i'm so appreciative of every customer everybody that buys into the Ripperverse. doesn't matter if it's one title keeping up with all titles whatever it may be we appreciate your support um, so much you've made my dreams come true. You changed my life, changed my family's life. And I'm just so appreciative to be in this position and everybody here is uh, appreciative as well. So alpha course to the active campaign right now, you can get in on it. Uh, go on to ripperverse.com wrote by the legendary Chuck Dixon. Um, uh, also drawn by Joe Bennett, incredible work learning about the superhero cop trio, uh, if you will, of, uh, Brian Braxwell and Ingrid Valdez. So go get in on that if you have not already. We appreciate you so much. And I thank you guys uh, uh, even allowing me to be here and uh, constantly talking uh, with me um, about what's going on with the Ripperverse. Uh, we, We appreciate you so much.
0: Thank you so much. We're so invested in your success and just hats off to you. Can't thank you enough for what you're doing to revitalize a dying industry.